0: Thing like a deep, like a uh, televised religious thing. Only they do it every day for two hours. Why would they want to advertise more
1: people if there's only seven hundred?
2: Right? Yeah, yeah. they're just going to push someone out. Absolutely. Like eventually, they're going like, to be think, so popular that everyone will have been pushed out, and only like TV viewers will get to go to heaven.
0: Exactly. I, th- I think the idea is to make it like a uh, battle royale format, where it's like you have to okay. heaven, you have to heaven <laughs> fight. <laughs>
1: Heaven, the how Christian are
0: you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's like it's like Fortnite. You just gotta like get there, like yeah. eat someone out of your place in heaven.
1: Yeah. And you know what? If it's not like that, I think it should be like that. And we need to make a proposal.
0: <laughs> you just hoof it across an island, desperate to grab the cross first. You're like, cross is op. <laughs> <Yep>.
2: <laughs> yeah, faith, faith is faith needs to be nerfed.
0: Multi
1: prayer.
2: (laughs) Oh man, Unreal Tournament! That takes me back.
1: That uh, ages me somewhat.
2: (laughs) Oh no! Oh no! I I I was probably too old when I played that. Um, I
0: was uh, I was neck deep into Unreal Tournament. That shit was amazing. Of
2: course it was. Yeah, that was it was very cool. I could
0: level up my cigar man. And make but, him smoke an even more gothic cigar.
2: <laughs> you can just uh, do that. You don't
1: Make games like, like that anymore.
2: I mean, they they do Fortnite.
1: Okay, yeah, good point. PUBG,
2: <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's bigger and sillier, and more like ten year olds play it.
1: Yeah, um, I guess that's what I miss—the aesthetic.
2: Yeah, and and the lack of ten year olds. Yeah, who also really terrible swear words.
0: I was about to say. There's way more slurs now than when you would play them before, which is not necessarily a bonus, but you know it is different.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you definitely get the F slur before, and maybe oh, sometimes yeah. the N slur, but I mean, they go they go into like some real deep stuff. They go, back but the
1: whole to- rainbow of slurs. Oh yeah, they're mining slurs we haven't even heard of yet.
2: Yeah, they'll go back to the Crusades. <laughs> I don't want to be some ten year old kill me, and then he shouts Deus Vault. Yeah, like, for wow, God's this...
1: sakes, guys. Oh, worst thing is I've probably taught all these kids. God damn it.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, like, my, this... my, my nephew loves this... him some Fortnite.
0: Like, this seven-year-old is, is so racist. He's like a virtuoso <laughs> of racism. He's the Mozart of being racist.
1: <laughs> well, you know, in today's day and age, he'll be guaranteed a job, uh, you know, so at least he's That's getting his skills.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably very likely that we are going to we'll have to fight on an island at some point, so... Uh, we
1: might as well give up already. It's just going to be the angry seven-year-olds, you know, yelling racist slurs at us Um, as the 700 Club, you know, whacks us with a cross, uh, bugger <laughs> it.
2: Death sentence everyone. <laughs> Thank
0: uh, you
1: very much for having me.
2: That was what we call in the trade a cold open. Um, we're on the uh, we're on the Discord with Tasmin... I should have found out how to say your second name. Is it Muir? M- 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 I couldn't even do that.
1: Well now I get to say in a really suave way because my name is Tamzin Muir. M- Muir. Yeah, I always say it's like the noise right. a cat makes, but there's such a wide variety of noises a cat can make that that's not really a good way of doing it, eh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
0: I'm my able g- to say g- that g- because no. I'm able to say this name on account of uh, an auxiliary percussionist for King Crimson also had the
2: last name of Muir.
1: Ah, nice reference. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Okay, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of King Crimson, you person who's literally written a book where everyone's wearing corpse paint at all times. But I'm embarrassed <laughs> to
1: say that I was introduced to them through my dad-in-law. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure whether that's the lamest way to get into King Crimson no, or not. That's,
0: that's mostly how we'll people get into it. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, a very right. progressive rock way to get into the band, to have, a, okay. to have like, a, a father-in-law or a stepdad be like, you ever listen to progressive rock? And you're like, "I'm, I'm... Thirty-three, I have, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, let me show you progressive rock." I mean, like, I've heard these records before.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's basically my dad-in-law. Um, way cooler music taste than I have. Unfortunately, he's moved on from like extremely Scandy prog rock that nobody's ever heard of. Um, and now he's back into you know smooth jazz. That's that's, what
0: you're that's the do, classic man. arc. Yeah. yeah no, I already amazing. like. I'm smooth not sure jazz. what the
1: progression is past the smooth jazz. The
0: uh, death. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's preparing the body to be shed. Uh yes.
2: yeah, it's like it's like being one of those Japanese monks who mummify themselves but are still alive. Absolutely. But you you like can watch them harden with the
1: jazz, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's yeah. what you do with all that sweet jazz. You're just like <laughs> slowing your BPM, your heartbeat down to like two beats per minute. <laughs> then all equivalent to brigamortis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's one uh,
0: deep breath and then you exit the body.
2: Yeah. that's yeah you can use some guy noodles on the
1: trumpet for like three minutes
2: so the reason we've we're talking about like death uh, is because uh tamzin has written a book called gideon the ninth and it's baller it's so good
0: it's wicked fucking tight like i i i put so i was was reading it on um on my phone because it's The only thing that I can like carry around with me very easily, Uh, and I repeatedly had to like just put it down and walk away from it because I'm like, this is so fucking tight. There's a spaceship with fucking necromancer in it. Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) Feel
2: free to use that one on the cover of the next one as blurb. I know you got Charles Stross on the. This one, yeah. Well, before. I think
1: that he would be happy to sit next to Baller and Wicked Tight because you know, frankly, <laughs> I wrote the book specifically in the hope that somebody one day would say that to me.
2: I okay, uh, I, I think he did. I, 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 this is what this is basically the um critique and not, <laughs> not criticism, but critique.
1: Right, I'm open. Look,
2: the, the, the idea of the book is you know, mm-hmm. literature can do many things, uh, it can, <laughs> it can. Uh, it can give us empathy it can show us things we've never seen before or it can show us stuff that's wicked fucking lit yeah. like, <laughs> like a skeleton made of other skeletons someone <laughs> with a with a spy hander chops into tiny bits and then it reassembles itself
1: well you know now we ever...
2: things past think <laughs> the book is yes. high
1: literature at this point. You know, there's, there's to the lighthouse, there's passage to in India, and then there's Gideon the Ninth, where there's a skeleton made out of other skeletons and there's a bunch of Y-handers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't want to, like, uh, make people think that it's just, like, a dumb series of awesome things.
1: It is, it is, though. It's completely that. <laughs> I do not want anybody to think that it is anything other than a completely dumb series of things I think are awesome.
0: The prose okay, is, is so good, though. Like, it's it's such a, like, your, your prose is so well-measured, and you know how to, like, self-eviscerate at the right moment with, like, uh, uh, Gideon just being like, suck pig dicks, you shit fucker. <laughs> just in the middle of this, like, beautiful purple, like, gothic prose. And it doesn't come across... The thing that I quite liked about that is it doesn't come across in the kind of, like... Uh, due to the internet, we see a lot of people who are a little bit hackier with that kind of approach. That the, the posts go viral, and we all like them and whatever. But there's that sense of like, oh, I get it. The joke is that a uh, high language and then low language. But oh yes, juxtaposition.
1: Your... We've seen that one. I mean, to and i honest... like,
0: but but yours doesn't violate like the spirit of the work. It doesn't feel like this cloying, empty. Like, uh, and then I say something. It. It it literally just feels like, and that's what that character would say. This is simply Gideon's voice, is that in this moment, it'd be like, uh, I hope you die in a fire.
1: Well, I will take that one to the bank. But to be honest, I think it's actually less my personal talent and more the fact that I'm from New Zealand. Um, you know, we can't see a good moment without you know, full in arse over tea kettle. We ruin all of our own moments. Um, so I think this is just a very Kiwi response, you know, high <laughs> prose, somebody sort of farting.
2: Nice. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah speaking it. of speaking to you for your background, um, I mean, tell us a little bit about, like, A, like, well, where you're from. We got that in New Zealand. But also, like, how you came to be, like, a writer.
1: Right. Well, does it have to be the truth or can it be interesting lies? Uh...
2: True first and lies. Okay, okay. well, <laughs>
1: um, first things first, then I'll probably have to admit the horriblest truth, um, which is that I'm actually Australian. Um, it is not my fault. Uh, I was born in Australia and then, you know, nine months on immediately escaped. Um, so I guess I have to couch everything in those terms. I'm a New Zealander, but it does say Australian on the passport. Um, but I've no, never, sorry. ever – I know, thank you. Um, you know, it's, a, it's it's rough. You know, I say that, but love Australia love australia but i've never supported any australian sports team and i hope i never do mm-hmm. um but yeah after that initial fuck up uh, you know grew up in new zealand in a very small town outside of auckland which uh, we briefly discussed before was the uh, la of new zealand but unlike la it's not connected to anywhere interesting um, and I grew up in a very tiny place uh, called Howick and called by anybody who lived in Howick, Howick Retirement Village, uh, which may explain oh. my love of writing uh, places in the book that are basically filled with old people who are dying.
2: I did get a, a – I, I grew up in a similar place, but more like right. rural uh, Thomas Hardy kind of stuff. And right. uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that that's a whole Gormangast thing kind of resonated with me. Moldering so- Hitch
1: Rose, that. Yeah.
0: My, uh, my mom's side of the family had a lot of, fa- uh, a lot of family members in this part of New England, which was more or less, uh, a series of cottages in which the youngest person was 79 years old.
1: Ooh. Nice. oh, that's good. Yeah. And they'd yeah, all get ass- that.
0: They'd all assemble around an old clock in the town square, and I'm like, "This is like 1995. What am I seeing? Is this like the
2: Wicker Man? Like, are they gonna, are they gonna burn
1: me? What were they doing like, here? What were they waiting for?
2: The clock. I mean, it's yeah. New England, so it's gonna be some Lovecraft shit. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm just like, holy shit, that's a story right there. Yeah,
2: and so, and so then I'm. Uh, uh,
0: I'm I'm reading this where it's a bunch of old people and only necromancers. Those are the only people that are not old because they can <laughs> manipulate the old after the blessed moment of their passing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, no, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, everybody who grew it's up in that kind of environment uh, absolutely is like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I kind of grew up in a place like the ninth house myself, you know, in a hideous planet you know way out of the system it was very cold and filled with grandpas so yeah no and i'm glad i'm among friends here
0: you quickly become a writer because literally there's nothing to do they're like you could go to the clock and you're like that's terrifying grandma
1: (laughs) (laughs) we love watching the clock it reminds us of death
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish we
1: had a clock. I mean, keep in mind, I grew up in New Zealand, so there's extra nothing there. Yeah, they know? don't have
0: clocks there, yeah.
1: Hell no, we didn't invent <laughs> clocks until like 2001. You know, there was a clock, and it was like, damn, let's go look at the clock. Okay, you know, I, I'm exaggerating there, but we did only get Starbucks in about 2002. And my cousin called me up Jesus. on the phone, so excited, she was nearly weeping, like, Taz, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's new stuff it's actually fast food like on the tv and i was like oh god damn it um but yeah that's how i grew up uh in a place that was unconnected to any other place and everyone there was old um and, um, and i
2: mean am i right in thinking that uh to be a band in austria in new zealand you have to like apply to the government and the government can give you your band's name absolutely Well, wow. yeah that's like north korea shit why does anyone put up with that like can't people just start bands?
1: No, they can't because my, you know, younger brother starts bands all the time, and all of his names for his different bands are so unbelievably shite um, that, frankly, I'm glad there's governmental, you know, strictures over what he can and cannot name his band.
2: Okay. Yeah. I remember a band called the D Four being a um, New Zealand uh, government named band, and they sucked. So yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, swings and roundabouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think Ulcerate is from New Zealand. Yeah, they are. They're from Auckland. And Ulcerate is fucking tight. (laughs) Most
1: of the good bands are either going to be from Auckland because they had to move up there to get anybody to listen to them, Um, or they're either going to be like the Christchurch sound, South Island, so they're going to be extremely dreary in the best way. That sounds tight. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I do love all classical, like Kiwi rock, because it's like the Beach Boys if the Beach Boys were all unbelievably depressed and living very close to Antarctica.
2: All right, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, that's I'll, like I'll, a I'll, the songs. Yeah,
1: lanes. Yep, yep. Do look at that? Flying Nun.
2: I've heard Flying Nun. I think I've, I've heard of. is it? Mm-hmm. but that record? a record label. label, isn't it? Yep.
1: Everything they right, put right, out.
2: Okay uh also people listen to Sarah records from bristol so good early 90s jangly uh, pre britpop um okay good but uh, so the book itself let's go into a bit of a synopsis here because um right. yeah it's, it's not like a lot of other stuff out there in purely good ways so yeah who's who's gideon where is she what why is she on a platform of necromancers what what's going on here
1: to go back to the extremely short sell, which, uh, you know, frankly confuses matters further, but, you know, whenever I'm asked to condense the book down to, like, one sentence, um, you know, it's about a swordswoman called Gideon Nav, um, who is forced to team up with her hated rival, who is a necromancer who wants to become God's dead bodyguard. Um, you know, so th- that's it. You know, that's the pitch. Um, at that point, people either start walking away, or they go, mm, okay, yeah, you know, tell me more. Um, mm-hmm. But to elaborate on that one, Gideon Nav, um, you know, Nav, obviously, I thought this was so clever. So if you are from these nine different houses, um, you know, you can tell which house you're from because your last name is going to be a reference to that number, something nobody got but me. But Gideon Nav, which is the Sanskrit for nine, um, oh, she is okay. an indentured servant uh, who... Nice who ended up, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you call it indentured servant because that's not quite as nasty, right? Uh, She ended up in the ninth house pretty much accidentally, and she is now one of three people under 30 left um, on what is, tying into what I just said, um, a big bonely retirement home. So Mm -hmm. the other two people are... uh, a nice guy, you know, a child of about, you know, uh, 30-something who is currently the lead swordsman in the house um, who is just an absolute wimp. Um, and worse off, there is another girl her age who is the lead necromancer of the house, a girl called Harohak Nonagesimus.
2: That's how you and pronounce it. Okay. That,
1: yeah, Good. that is how you pronounce it. I did have to do a long, like, pronunciation list for everyone. <laughs> um, but the... Bigger downside of that is that Harak is kind of the leader of the ninth house, so they are all sort of cult like skeleton juggalos.
2: Awesome, and Uh, uh, yeah, most of the bands I listen to are also skeleton juggalos, so that makes uh, a lot of sense. Good.
1: I'm basically using that as a Venn diagram, so you know, uh, skulls, juggalos, you know, my book is right here.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, yes, Mm. and also swords.
1: Okay. Yeah, swords so um, are a huge part of the book. So if you are part of that third, you know, circle Venn, um, definitely, definitely my book. Yeah,
2: I think that's kind of yeah, a good crossover with our audience as well. There,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a wide amount of people.
2: Yeah, and, and it's all the good people at least. So I, yeah. I did notice in the acknowledgements you had some like outside help on swords.
1: Absolutely, because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of swords. Um, I'm an extremely amateur fan of swords. Like, you know, growing up in New Zealand where everybody is extremely physically fit and athletic, I managed to be the one person um, who constantly, you know, had a fake broken leg or whatever. Um, so I didn't do anything really active except for playing a lot of video games. Um, but, you know, funnily enough, though you would think so, playing a lot of Super Nintendo doesn't actually make you an expert in swords. Hmm.
0: I know it does it's, make it's, you an expert uh, in Googling cool. swords, though.
1: It does, absolutely. But that can only get you so far. Um, so luckily enough for me, I did have a friend who is my sword friend um, who does work with this Y-Hander, um, who does do a lot of sword work up in the wilds of New York. Um, what she seems to do is have a bunch of people she knows who all get together in her field and hit each other with swords.
2: That's called a battle.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, although nobody seems to die.
2: Okay, it's LARPing. Got it. I, I,
1: I think it's slightly cooler than LARPing. You know, when we look at the um, different levels of cool, it's above LARPing.
2: Okay, well, so a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, but, I know. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, um, I've never actually read a fantasy book where the sword fighting was described really well and was actually exciting. And, like, the choreography, like... There's fight choreography in this. It's like John Wick or The Matrix or something.
1: That is the coolest comparison anybody has ever made. You know, I'm just having a a little moment over here. I'm I'm
2: really
1: uh, interested in fight choreography in books. Um, You know, I think a a lot of people have been really nice um, and said that a lot of the fights in Gideon the Ninth are pretty cinematic. Uh, and, you know, I mm, can't definitely. say yes or no, but it, has, it is something I really try to do and really try to communicate. Um, I love writing fights. Uh, I'm mm. not necessarily the best at tell. it. Thank you. Um, and for technical detail, I did basically uh, go to my mate, uh, Lissa Harris, my sword expert and say okay look what the hell am I doing wrong I wasn't doing as much wrong as I thought I was but I was doing some hilarious stuff wrong
2: like, like what what's hilarious stuff
1: so Gideon went through the first half of the book not wearing gloves oh okay yeah okay you think that I wouldn't didn't be notice that, but, uh... no no well there are now like a couple of scenes where she's putting on her gloves gloves are important um you know Alyssa just looked at me it was like I hope Gideon loved having hands because she doesn't anymore um and there was a lot of uh, stuff in terms of how a sword feels and the physicality of a sword that I was just doing a really hilarious way. I'm not saying I always listen to her, because uh, she did tell me that you can't actually do a backflip while holding two swords, but that was you <laughs> talk. No, no. Can yeah. That's, yeah.
0: She can't do a backflip while holding two <laughs> swords. Exactly. That's a that's projection. projection. Calm
2: down. Calm down. Yep. Calm, yep. down. Okay. <laughs> calm, calm down. You're in you a in forest, it is very warm. <laughs> Okay, sun's getting real low. This is okay. important to me, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Come yours on. among
1: friends. Okay,
2: <laughs> let's just just keep the sword discourse on, just like, just like a three. We don't need to go up to a six. You don't want to see a ten. Okay,
1: we'll we'll add <laughs> we'll down the sword's discourse. Yeah, deep breaths.
2: Okay, so just go forward from there, which sword is best?
1: Ooh. Oh man, okay, so the interesting thing here is I know switch sword's aren't best. Um, Because the rapier actually sucks. I'm just going to get that out there. Um, The the rapier is lame. Uh, And the problem is people think rapiers are really cool because they're reading all these manuals about guys in rapier schools that never actually existed. It was just a bunch of rich dudes just saying like, "Mm, okay, yes, you have this rapier and you're going to move into this beautiful move called, you know, boy eats whole pig. And then you'll disarm your other guy who's also extremely wealthy and doesn't know how to use his sword either. It was not... How it worked. Um, rapiers are lame.
2: Mm, okay, damn right. Longest okay. rant
1: on rapiers I've ever made.
2: <laughs> Good.
1: Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I do love any two-handed. There's a lot of them. Yeah. They're all different, um, but they're all my children.
0: Uh, yeah. Best sword, big sword.
2: Yeah, the best sword is the one that guts carries in berserk. That's mm-hmm. just yep. the fact.
1: Absolutely it's, agree.
2: It's big enough to sleep on, and it's uh-huh. huge. Yeah, and that's why it's so good.
1: And I mean, um, they're not actually as unrealistic as you think. You know, I grew up with Final Fantasy, Cloud Strife. What the hell is he holding? A horse-killing sword. What is that? It's stupid.
0: Yeah, and he, he fights know. a lot of horses. Yeah, I yeah, can't that,
1: remember uh, him like killing uh, any particular horses, but oh, she had.
2: He. It was cut from the. Um, <laughs> English version, but um right, yeah, it, long because, Japanese
1: game where he like just yeah, there's just, his horses.
2: Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it, it was horrible. It was like just just disgusting Bloody. Gr- gl- grinding his way through a whole field of horses. <laughs> Shinra's like back. it didn't serve the plot in any way. Oh. Um, it was just, it was basically <laughs> just like, like, equus, but m- more like, like stupid hair. Um,
1: <laughs> now you know yeah.
0: Shinra's like we gotta stop this guy. Send the horse squad. And someone's like, but sir, they're only horses. And he's like, I don't care. The horses will take care of them for me. And then they didn't. Oh, God, they didn't. At
1: this point. Because if it was a Final Fantasy with horses, those horses would have been all like nine feet tall, you know, uh, shit and fire, um, you know, glued together with other horses.
2: Stupid hair. Yeah, yeah, you know.
0: So I, I, I said recently that it would be great if a Gundam had uh, like a Gundam sized horse that it could ride. And uh, pe- people online interpreted this as that I meant the specific horse Gundam from G Gundam. And I had to say, no, it's a regular living horse. It's big enough for a Gundam to ride.
2: They, they had those in the uh, Pleistocene. scene. There was mm-hmm. some uh, megafauna that a Gundam could easily ride.
1: <laughs> They're there. You know, there's a precedent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you just got to resurrect a, um, a Pleistocene mega horse and oh. build a Gundam, <laughs> and you you could have every you want. Uh,
0: uh, that's a beautiful dream.
1: <laughs> yeah, make it come true. Uh,
2: so let's let's just take a little break for some music. Um, so, one band that I absolutely love more than anything in the whole world is the band Cloud Rat out of Michigan. Uh, they're kind of like they're kind of one of the great grindcore bands, along with like Pick a Destroyer and People. And yeah. they've got like one of the, like truly, truly great grindcore acts. Um, and plus, they got they've got great politics too. So like everything is um, everything comes up Millhouse for them. They are just like far and away incredible. And like during September, they released two uh, an EP and an album. EP is "Do Not Let Me Fall Off the Cliff." P- Pollinator is the album. Um, Cliff came out on the twelfth, and, and this and the album came out on the thirteenth. So I want to play something off the album. I'm not sure why. Um, maybe it's because the cover has someone with their face painted up, kind of like what I imagine you know Gideon the Knife might do if she ever took mescaline or something. And um, I'm going to play a song off that called Keep Flies, second song. Um, Just go and buy both of these records, because they're just so good. And Cloud Rat is so good. And um, I think they'll be touring soon. And yeah, just, just an incredible band. So here's Keep Flies off Do Not Let Me Fall Off The Cliff. That was CloudRiot. Uh they rule so much. They're just so good. I love them so much. Um, I'm kind of lobbying to maybe get them on the show at some point. So, you know, maybe like message them or something, talk to them at shows, tell us, tell them how good we are. Tell them we're we good boys. Um, we're still here with uh Tamsi Muir. uh still talking about Gideon the Ninth because you know it deserves like a lot of talk about it. Um so, I want to talk a little bit about the world building, because I mean, we've seen like fantasy sci-fi hybrids before, like June is fantasy sci-fi hybrid. Star Wars is fantasy sci-fi hybrid. <coughs> but your world build your the world that Gideon and Harrowhawk are in is it's way cooler and darker and just generally more awesome than many fantasy sci-fi worlds out there so what what can you say about the world building in this how important it was to like the the big picture
1: Funnily enough you know uh, this is a question that a lot of people put to me and i always say well this is getting into dangerous territory Uh, i mean like when i started i was like man you know i want something really rad and that was basically all I did I didn't really sit down and think all right I want this particular thing that particular thing and then I'm gonna write six pages of notes about the economy a lot of people love doing that and more power to them but you know I got the idea for this story after having been trapped on a plane from Auckland to Heathrow, which is 26 hours. And, you know, at that point, yeah, you're going to come up with the darkest, most dreary, (laughs) most goth-ass thing after that plane flight. Just take it, you know. uh, You'll come off the plane just already painted up somehow. Um, It'll just happen to your face. But with the world-building... Okay, the reason why I said this is dangerous territory, I actually want to do do something specifically meta throughout the three books, which makes the world building hard to talk about, um, because what I'm I'm basically setting up is a mystery. So you got all the bits that, uh, you know, a lot of people have said that it looks like a Warhammer 40k, you know, took a wrong turn the Albuquerque. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, Living in New Zealand, I did not get any Warhammer 40k. Uh, You know, very sad. I know, very sad time for me.
2: How did you cope?
1: I didn't. You know, I've come over to Britain. I've been introduced to Warhammer and you're just the tears trickling down my face. (laughs) Uh, As I saw all I had missed out on and lost, you know, just extremely tragic. I don't know how I missed it. Oh, no, go on you know, it's, I don't know how I missed it because I had a bunch of students that I taught um, being like, oh, yeah, Miss, you should read the Black Library. You know, it's really good. And I was like, well, you know. It's not really good. Uh, well, I didn't want to break their hopes and dreams. Hmm. Um, I mean,
2: it's, it's horribly written. Um, it, it's it's basically like the, the dark twin of your book. Okay. In that, uh, Black Library stuff is horribly written, but it's a string of things that are super, super lit happening to, like, the most badass person in the whole of the universe
1: absolutely i mean i admit i have read a little bit of it now and it just seems to be about huge guys called like Praetor to your death tits uh you know got out his gun aimed it at the guys and mowed down 10 million um while his innards leaked out and i'm like, yeah you know that's Basically well hi you know i'm here um but I wish I could say that it had been an influence on my world building. Which, which, I mean, is it wrong to say it shares a little bit of that aesthetic?
2: No, not at all. I, I, it was. I, I, I'm a massive Warhammer guy. Landon isn't because he sucks, right? And, um,
0: but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, once you put an undead emperor in something, then people are gonna the comparison start coming. I mean, Warhammer stole that from June anyway. And from Absolutely. a million different things. Yep. And I think like the the Gormangast was uh, as big an influence as well, Forty K obviously wasn't an influence, but um, you know, Gormangast was as big an influence mm-hmm. on this than forty K could have been. Um,
1: Gast was definitely an influence. I mean
2: hmm.
1: again, it's hard to say what has influenced me over the years, because you know, by the at the same point that you were probably playing with all your little Warhammer figurines not having any money, um you know metal. They were, they were, they were huge, like yeah, uh, massive. Uh, you know, I was reading the Warhammer two tides of darkness manual um, for fun, which <laughs> I think probably ripped off Warhammer a bit now that I think about it. Um, mm. But, you know, that came from the same place as Gormenghast, you know, I had all of these different gaming influences, uh, you know, I was on the super Nintendo, I was playing Castlevania. Um, it has all come together somehow. Um, I've always been really into the idea of space gothic, though. And oh, I know that's something the Warhammer so does have. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. You've got a spaceship. That's fine. What if the spaceship just looked like a huge goddamn cathedral? Fine. Great. Why didn't we think of that before?
2: Yeah, well, th- there's like no yeah, reason to not make them make look like cathedrals. <clears throat> they don't need to be aerodynamic. Uh, who make cares? Whatever you want.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Just have a big-ass uh, Junji Ito floating in space. It's like, what's that? Oh, it's a big thing with a lot of holes in it.
1: That's like, cool, oh. I love that. Yeah. It's like,
0: oh, it seems terrible. Be like, yeah, it's filled with locusts. <laughs>
1: love that.
0: They do, uh, they do locust shit in space. <laughs> that's Really hilarious. Film, message, by you said
1: by the way. That. Yeah, now I, I'm really glad I didn't read that before because uh, that sounds a lot like book two of my series. But um, awesome. yeah. Like, Junji Ito, such a huge influence in terms of horror. Why are skulls so absolutely great in space? I think it's because they've got this, like, grimy, organic, you know, hardcore goth weirdness to it. We expect space to be, you know, quite clean in Star Trek.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah that's absolutely.
1: But, you know, Star Trek, fine. Star Trek is not rad. No. No, Star no, Trek. Exactly. Nobody looked at Star Trek was like, oh Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's been a long time since Chat, and you can't exactly look at Chat and go, mm, yeah, wow, Kirk is so metal.
2: <laughs> no, you can't. He's, there's, uh, there's indeed nothing metal about anything in Star Trek.
1: And nothing much Except,
2: Klingons, yeah. except Klingons, yeah. Klingons. Klingons kind of
1: are. Yeah, but I mean, even then, they're sort of like uh, subsumed by the vanilla, uh, you know, overtones and aesthetic of Star Trek. I would argue that Star Wars starts to get a little bit more metal, a little bit more goth, but, you know, at the same time, is slightly too vanilla. Mm,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Every yes. now and again, though, they hit you with like, "Oh, I have to go to the Sith uh, Ossuary planet," and you're like, "The it's the what?" Dark. And are like, "Yeah, it's it's full of evil ghosts."
2: And I'm oh, like, that. "What? Had that's been here the whole time?"
1: Yeah. Why no. the hell weren't we there? <laughs> why are
2: no, we on do, could have a forest full of teddy bears instead.
1: We could have it's, like. Um, fucked off to the planet of the Sith Ossuaries, where a whole bunch of, like, Gothic Sith, uh, you know, take their double-handed red rapiers and, you know, bang up ghosts. But no, we're with the Ewoks.
2: Yeah, I know, but at least we've got Kylo Ren, who kind of could have walked out of your book, really.
1: He's he, quite goth, you know. He's,
2: yeah, he's, he's basically a school shooter. I mean, absolutely.
1: I mean, I don't think school shooters are necessarily goth.
2: Oh, no, but... Uh, no.
1: But, you know, we're going yeah, down that In terms
2: of, like, dark and yeah. stuff yeah he's he's definitely he's definitely dark
1: yeah I mean he doesn't have any cool face makeup
2: nah, I mean his mask was so terrible they had to destroy it in the second film
1: which was a good plan you know uh, yeah do it fine um, but yeah he, he is starting to go down that avenue a little bit more than Star Wars ever has uh, because we can all agree the more that Star Wars goes down that avenue the more we get blood and guts in space that's cool everyone loves that
0: it's true that's just good. Exactly.
1: So why wouldn't I set, you know, uh, my necromancy cathedral thing in space?
2: Yeah. And um, I'd love they... to be
0: necromanced in space, personally.
2: Who wouldn't? <laughs> so one of the cool things about the world building is we don't get all of it in this first book. You I, do not. <laughs> by not by a long shot. I mean, we know very little about like. Because it all takes place in one solar system, if I'm if I'm reading it correctly.
1: Are reading it correctly, and that's okay, the thing. You know, I've gotten some people being like, "Where the hell was the world building?" Um, and other people being like, "Ooh, ooh, you're doing something tricky here, aren't you?" I mean, I say people. I think one person said that to me, and they were my friend, so I'm not going to make out like anybody did that who wasn't meant to. But yeah, I want to be doing something specific. All of my world building is very much uh, sort of hidden between the lines it's all in offhand things people say Mm. because i'm kind of allergic to people having conversations about stuff that they should not be having conversations about um i recently read a hilarious twitter thread about how to write a historical novel Um, and one of the things that i loved uh, was you know like right if you're writing a historical novel have your characters go into their room and immediately uh, like uh discuss the window pane the historical window pane that has sat there for you know the last 10 years like why the hell are you doing that Don't. It's not a normal thing to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. People mention that there's a war going on and there's a front line and people are fighting, but it's like, you know, there's wars going on that our countries are involved in right now. We don't talk about it every day.
1: We, f- we do not. Uh, and in fact, it's actually incredibly hard to talk about that in a way that does not feel artificial. And the problem is that because we do that in fantasy all the time, we're all making these huge secondary worlds. Uh, we all really care about our universes and good, because if we don't, nobody who's reading it is going to either. Um, but we know so much that we do kind of uh, find it hard to resist just vomiting it out. Mm, so yeah. you're going to remember- end up...
2: I I used to be a a reader for a literary agency and I've, I've read a lot of bad fantasy and it's always, it always comes from people who have an incredibly detailed uh, idea of the world they've built, which is always just middle earth. Yep. Um, Or maybe in this one, the orcs are good or something, you know, the usual. Damn, Nobody's
1: ever done that before.
2: I know. There's not like a whole several series about it. And um, yeah. And they'll, and they'll have like the agrarian economy all mapped out, and some some of them even included a hand-drawn map in their submission.
0: So oh yeah! That. Oh, that's yep. classic.
2: Um, oh <laughs> that. yeah, so good. Always so good. Love, love that. Love a hand-drawn map. Yep. And, um, yeah. And
0: especially if it's poorly drawn.
2: Oh, yes. they're always poorly drawn. They've never been <laughs> drawn.
1: And doesn't really it have you know. Like, job of it. Yeah.
2: They haven't even bothered to ink their thing. That like they're submitting to a literary agency. God damn! I
1: mean, listen Um, to us. We all said, you know, we love that. Love a hand-drawn map. Love this world that's just basically Lord of the Rings, except the orcs are good. Like, I do think there is a huge appetite for books like that out there.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones shows that there's a massive appetite, even beyond like the um, normal readers of fantasy. Like for like seven years or so, everyone. Was an expert in the law of this fantasy kingdom, and people yeah. people could tell you about the history of Essos around the Water Cooler. But um, yeah, it, it's and not we the wish be- they
1: oh, wouldn't. Oh yeah, hmm.
2: but it's not the be all, be all and end all of fantasy, or like writing a good novel, because you know, there's so well, I mean, much more that it can do.
1: I th- it's also about where we're coming from and what genres we're enjoying i mean i was actually lucky enough to get uh, taught by george r martin when i was at clarion in 2010 which is the clarion workshop of yeah it was great he bought us a lot of good pizza um you know that's the main takeaway i took from george nice guy totally bought Mm. us all pizza um that was great Takeaway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I <laughs> just saw what I did there. Um, but, you know, he set out to write a historical novel. It was alternate history. Um, hmm. And that's not ever been something I'm interested in. You know, as I, I've now made brutally obvious, I, I care about people having sword fights and doing kick flips downstairs. So with me, I'm just like, right, how do I get a universe that allows me to have, like, max amount of people doing kickflips downstairs? Hmm. I don't want y- y- a hand-drawn map. It. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also about how I write. One big failure of me as a writer, I've got many, but this is a huge one, um, is that I'm not actually good with internal, like, space choreography. Um, This is something my editors kicked my butt on so many times. Like, we walk into a room, I don't actually care what's in it. Like, there could be a table over there. There could be somebody in the corner. I just kind of get it, like, mixed up really easily. Um, So that's something that I don't particularly care about writing my approach a map like, yeah i know, you know exactly but like I'm...
2: in dungeon dragons you should get some like uh, get some square paper and just
0: okay okay imagine how revolutionary that. that would be every mm-hmm. in in a novel every time someone enters a room there is a new hand drawn map there would <laughs> that would be so great many maps that would yep. blow
2: people's minds
0: you're like they got to stop doing this at some point you just start flipping through it and you're uh-huh.
2: like there's so many maps. They just it's keep not putting not new maps,
0: maps in. Pages.
2: I went to the cupboard to get a mop and they got like a picture of like a, just a square with a bucket and a mop in it.
1: and yeah, you say that, but this is starting to sound awesome.
2: It is, yeah. yeah. It is awesome. Just yeah. lean no, way the smart, hell in it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, have you guys ever heard of something called Lit RPG?
2: Uh, No, I have not.
1: It's a pretty new genre. Uh, the reason why we don't hear of it a lot is because um quite a lot of it is self-pubbed. Um, it's... And I haven't read much into it myself, but I find the concept fascinating. It's just of people writing fantasy as a game book. You know, people have you know explicit levels; they have explicit HP. It's like reading somebody's weird game FAQ for World of Warcraft.
2: Wait, wait, wait! So it's like it's just a straight-up novel, like prose, but like the characters have levels and hit points. Yep, that's so cool.
1: It is completely new. This mess
0: of. Is that,
2: up is that cool? Gareth, is that cool? <laughs> yeah, is
0: I cool mean. the word you want to. You're <laughs> being recorded. We're recording this right now. You know it's that, not, right? It. Like, people are going to hear you.
2: Okay. okay. It's cool as, like, a punk statement against the uh, high fluting, like like, uh, George R.R. Martin, uh, no offense to him, kind of like grimdark fantasy. The, Do you I, think it's punk? Yes. It could I, be You punk. think a it's a punk? There is
0: one called Harry Potter and the Natural Twenty. Do you think this is <laughs> punk, Gareth?
2: Okay, I don't think that one is specifically punk. No, in the uh, traditional. Short Art play.
0: Online counts.
2: Yeah, Sword oh, no. Art um, Goblin Slayer definitely counts. That's why I love it. Yeah, there's so much anime about it. So, I mean, um...
0: technically, technically, Otherland would count for that as well, and Otherland yeah, is good. I think, I think oh, we're gonna yeah, see a lot more mentioned.
1: look like anime. We're gonna see a lot more novels looking like anime, we're gonna see a lot more novels looking like this kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, people like the current like George R. R. Martin grew up with Lord of the Rings, pretty obvious, and Dungeon Dragons. Yep. Even I think he made a RPG for wildcards and he played it with his friends, and that's how they developed new Wild Card stories. But yeah, people like your generation, our generation, grew up with anime video games. Online MMOs, and yeah, your your stuff does kind of seem like anime. (laughs) Uh, Um, That's not not an insult, please. Not at all. Um,
1: You know, a lot of people have said that. uh, You know, to me, I take it as a compliment. You know, I've I've been off anime for a couple of years now. I'm I'm clean. Um, But you know. it's it's cool it has influenced me hugely you know i love slash loved anime um and i love video games and uh, there's actually a really awesome article on kotaku by um aiden Moa about a couple of books that have been pretty overtly influenced um you know by jrpgs oh cool nice uh, well, um and i think we're just going to see more of that not less
2: yeah i mean i i know before we uh started a call i asked i mentioned Bloodborne, but have you played the FromSoft games? Because they're kind of like the unfunny version of your world. Everyone's dead. Everything's a necromancer. (laughs) It's always in a drafty gothic castle. Swords are everywhere. I
1: have not you know uh, i'm shocked at it myself but i think it's just because as i get older my reflexes are gone
2: oh yeah you need, you need to be like 21 to play these games ah, i, I can't do it anymore i'm just no I'm just I, gone, I look mate. at a
1: lot of let's plays and that's as far as i get
2: yeah i, I think let's plays are how anyone over the age of like 28 is going to experience the from software games but yeah. yeah they they have a similar thing in terms of world building to you they don't let all out in some big exposition dump by a wizard. They, like, you can literally go the whole <laughs> game without really understanding what's going on.
1: Absolutely, and that's something I really admire, actually, because you do get a whole lot of people who don't care. They don't give a shit. They just want to you know, hit a wizard in the head with their weapon. Um, they don't actually care about the overarching plot or lore, but you will actually get people be interested in it despite themselves.
2: Mm, yeah, there are... Like three-hour-long lore videos about these games that are basically PhD theses. Oh thesis. yeah, and uh, I mean yeah.
0: So uh, I, I have I have my flippant comment first, which is that having a uh, a wizard appear out of nowhere and give an extremely long, unasked-for monologue about the backstory of a world is insanely funny to me. Um, yeah, just, especially if it's a, a a totally unannounced wizard you've never met them before, you don't know who they are. <laughs> They just walk into the room and they're like, hello, fair traveler. (laughs) I'm going to give you a three
1: hour description of the entire world's lore. This is Uh, not optional.
0: And then they just leave. Also having that happen in a novel, like in the middle of another conversation, just a wizard (laughs) walks in and just gives a really long. Never appears again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he just leaves. He's like, and now my deed is done! And he doesn't die, he just leaves. <laughs> um, this but, um, goes out the door! So, I mean, obviously there is some kind of, like, a metaphone that someone can have. it's like, Gormengast is half-built out of that, like, um, half-ribbing. But, uh, in a more sincere way, you can get um, it's sort of like we have the current burst, um, or seemingly current it's actually been going on for a number of years of like dark crystal expanded universe stuff that um started way back when we're after the book was published or after the film was uh put out people were like holy shit this is such like an evocative and it feels like a rich and real fairy tale world despite it being in the short movie you'd imagine it to be a lot cheaper than it is or a lot like thinner um but it has this that weird otherness and ephemerality to the skexies and the mystics and the Chris, and you're Absolutely. like, um, that they eventually published an encyclopedia, um, for it. And it became like, for, for me, like a, uh, I liked the encyclopedia of the dark crystal world about as much as I liked any given fantasy novel growing up ben. because it was just like, this insane treasure trove. And apparently it was like mostly built off of notes they worked out before making the film or in the middle of making it. And then deliberately decided like, that's so that we know, but that's not important to the movie. We just want it so that every gesture we have feels like it is happening in a real world with a real history, but we're not giving you that. We're giving you the gesture.
1: Absolutely. It must be gestural
0: and baiting that hook so that people became so, so, so hungry for it that now you can launch Umpteen. Uh, there's there's a really good comic series that's like both sequel comics and prequel comics. You have the prequel show on Netflix, which is like... And they're able to reach a level of quality because they deliberately... Um, developed and developed very organically this sense because sometimes we get this really belabored like artificial kind of world development that people do without realizing that like the dialectic of history doesn't give our world that kind of clean rigid construction like you don't have the self contradiction or the like bad decisions or the uh, things that go not quite according to plan but they don't quite fail like you 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 don't get that level of um uh that level of like organic Deluzian messiness uh, when you get a high
1: level of granularity but not any sort of organic feel
0: yeah it feels like someone wrote a history book about or wrote a history of a world they're making up rather than telling you the real history of a world that doesn't exist
1: and i think also has something to do with the fact that we teach history in a very boring way but I'll take my teacher yeah. out off I hate it uh, but yeah that, that is absolutely a huge problem um and I th- well I think it's so cool that they're actually doing that with the dark crystal universe
0: yeah I mean it's um it it's an example of a world that expands on that pretty well I mean the other inverted example is that um star wars is so deliberately oh, yeah. self self emptying that like they're gestures that don't mean anything. And that's a weirdly genius thing. Is that like George Lucas wanted it to be, it feels big, but there's nothing there. It's just in this movie. Um, Yes.
2: And there's um, in like um, the first Star Wars where Obi-Wan talks about the clone wars. And you have no idea what that is. It took 30 years for them to actually make a film about what the clone wars were and what happened and why there were clones. And,
0: and it doesn't matter that it doesn't actually mean anything. Like, for 30 years, everyone was fine with, you fought in the club? Okay. Um, uh, cool. like, like, you can just have those things. You don't actually have to be like, oh, mechanically, how did... Uh, um, but uh, it, because it was so self-emptying, you wound up having that whole cottage industry of sometimes, like, rather well-written fantasy and uh, sci-fi novels. Extremely and, like novels. Yeah, built within that world. I mean, there are also a lot of shit ones, but there were a Absolutely. lot that were like really good. Like, it was just, it, like inexplicably, you're like, why are you writing us? Oh, I guess this is a bigger check now that I think about it. But, um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that Star Wars had a long hem to let out. It didn't really give much of a shit about the references as it made them. But, you know, uh, that spun into such an enormous extended universe, which I loved. I loved all the Rose Squadron books. You know, uh, I loved all Aaron Alston's Michael Sackpole. You know, they were great.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I read a ton of those when I was growing up just because it... And not even so much because it was a world that I liked, but there's that perverse... Pleasure of taking something known and going in a weird direction with it. So you have like whole books about Sith necromancers, just straight up like. And I'm like, this is so tight. This like this has no, um, and it, it, it then becomes frustrating sometimes to look at the the number of. Uh, fantasy or science fiction novels that seem fit to play within the world that's been handed to them by their betters as opposed to like uh, like Gene Wolfe didn't become like Gene Wolfe until he was like no I'm gonna do something really fucked up and weird like oh yeah you know how you know how you know how what words mean what if you didn't and you're like what you and don't. he's like yep <laughs> here's my new book. And you're like, oh shit, this is, this is genius. And he's like, yeah, yeah. You don't know what any of those words mean, but you think you do. And you're like, yeah, normally that sounds really annoying, but actually it's very good. <laughs>
1: like, I love it. I, I love feeling like an absolute ignoramus. And, you know, it's stupid. I didn't actually start reading Gene Wolfe until after I'd finished uh, Gideon. And now I'm looking back going, you know, if I had read this before, this would look like a huge ripoff. Um, but that's yeah, one I, thing I, I, I love about his books. Book of the New Sun I mean, is just what?
0: Oh yeah, I. I to be fair, uh, to be fair to you, even without having read it and the similar, like for me, since I wasn't huge on Warcraft growing up, or um, not Warcraft Warhammer growing up, um, that that I picked up more like Gene Wolf vibes off of your thing. I, I- think it's it's similar to it. It's been subsumed into the broader science fiction and fantasy like it's sort of like you're gonna pick up whiffs of Shirley Jackson and Poe and Lovecraft if you write horror even if you've never Completely. read them. like you you yeah. can't avoid it it's part of the atmosphere now oh, it's um, like
1: I received horror wisdom at this point you know it's gonna get into yeah. it's gonna get into the cracks even if you don't you're not actually aware of it you know I'm always finding uh things where I'm like oh yeah obviously you know that's very Jackson it's very Lovecraftian um but I wasn't thinking about it at the time
0: yeah and I mean, I think part a, of that is yeah. part of that's actually sort of a a, a benefit, putting uh, both my own teaching cap and my own uh, like uh, like MFA cap on briefly. Um, we sometimes critically, we don't approach it this way, but we we should more often than we do. Genres often become more like problem solving spaces and they develop and find certain canonical texts more because they articulate certain conceptual problems or have ingenious solutions to those conceptual problems. Or alternatively, the third set are ones that present new conceptual problems that we haven't really solved scare quotes with genre work. Like that's where we see like major evolutionary works or authors are ones that it's not the Anyone can shift a paradigm by just writing something different. That's the easiest thing to do in the world. But every now and again, you get one where you're like, oh, that seems really fruitful. Like, we had weird fiction before Lovecraft, but there was the particular way that he put it down that you're like, oh, oh. Um, And now you, like, can't really write fiction in in the 20th and 21st century without having a little bit of that. Kind of like you can't write any horror at all without having a bit of like Poe in there like it just and yeah so it's not necessarily sometimes we get the kind of defensiveness from people where it's like oh they I I didn't have these elements in there at all it's like well no they're just sort of like it's like in math no one's like I don't have any Newtonian math in my equations and it's like what that's Actually. a that's a nonsense statement like that that's just a that would just be like a weird lie
1: yeah absolutely we've all got like homer in all of our epics despite yeah. the fact that you might have not even read the iliad yeah it's
2: yeah. it's
1: like a, a disease it's been passed yeah.
2: down yeah and also this this is this is your first novel i mean you've been a very very well regarded short oh, yeah. story writer for a long Thank you time very much a ton of awards uh but yeah this is a first novel and first novels you are absolutely within your you've got the right to like pour your entire life down on the page and all your influences get them all out there because you know you've got to get them all, you've got to get everything out in your first novel because i think everyone thinks maybe my first novel will be my last i mean yours because the second one's already uh, in pro being published next year isn't it thank but, god uh, yeah
0: a first uh one. A story that you'll like quite a bit is the second that I finished uh, your book, I f- feverishly was just started googling it because I was like, "God, please let there be a," and then saw that the sequel was there. So it was like yeah. it was, it was like from a movie. I did not know that there was going to be a second book, but I was like, "Please, this is so f- fucking good." But and then like <laughs> it was like the second <laughs> Google result was like. Uh, harrow the ninth and i was like yeah fucking
1: yes yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's yeah. so
1: nice to hear you two really are good boys uh, i mean oh, the nice. thing yeah well the thing is i mean you're going back to actually uh landon you earlier really really cool point about like we've got these two types of universes you know one where everything was written down beforehand and the other where you know we just kind of had room for it to grow one of the reasons that i'm really excited for people to read the second is because you know i'm first model i knew everything about the universe and kind of like tucked it in under the rug where i thought that people might not notice but you know if you're reading carefully you might notice it so uh, i've had you know really cool uh responses to the first book already but i'm like oh yeah fuck the first book the second book's got more interesting stuff in it
2: cool yeah, uh, I, I have. Yeah, the, I, I have
0: this oh you go on
2: yeah i Lightland, i came out of here thinking oh god there's got to be an i i think i knew beforehand that there was going to be a second but um yeah coming out of it i was like oh yeah this is gonna get it it's obviously without wanting to do any spoilers it it leaves itself off in a really really cool place Cute. where you can like basically just springboard to a billion different stories from here um and yeah it it transfer... it kind of uh passes the torch to uh, uh if i say any more I'll, I'll spoil everything but, yeah uh, uh,
1: no, if you Google, you know you can tell that the uh, second book is going to be point of view of a different character.
2: Oh yeah, okay. It passes yeah. the torch from Gideon to Harrow. Yep, um, which is cool because Harrow was probably I, I I liked her a little more than Gideon. I not said I didn't like Gideon. Harrow was so nice to hear
1: because uh, I'm just always convinced people are gonna hate Harrow, and they're like, "Oh yeah, thanks." Oh, That's oh, nice.
0: I, uh, I did, yeah, no, I, I, I hated oh, Harrow. Yep. By by the every end of relief. the book, I came around, but like, it, it you really nailed the like, God, she's such a fucking bitch. Like this, <laughs> like gosh, oh, this fucking sucks. Like every time she says or does anything, you just <laughs> oh, want to, yeah. yeah, knock her teeth out. It's fucking, and then yeah, and the. Okay. Uh, the satisfying shift where I'm like, I'm begrudgingly enjoying uh, her presence in the novel by the end of it. And I'm like, (laughs) I've been tricked into liking a character that I hate.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, the Gideon voice worked obviously, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a second book. There's a third book, Uh, you know, it's all just the one story. I feel actually more like I'm doing a Dickensian thing where I'm just kind of releasing it in installments rather than writing three very discreet books um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that after that, um, I will not be led into doing any more with it. Cause in my mind, I'm just like, here's my universe. Here's the story. It's done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to be like uh, JK Rowling and
1: oh, like, Lord.
2: coming back. Oh, to, to, to Joanne, keep, stop.
1: We, we right? found those animals. We, we don't want to like hear any more about them.
0: Just, just be a billionaire. Just be uh, a billionaire. And I what's mean, weird what is like to to do the, casu- oh. the casual vacancy wasn't, even really that bad. I mean, if you think of it oh. as her first like literary work uh, in terms of like non-YA stuff, it's a strong beginning. Like, a Absolutely. really strong beginning. And she could have Yeah. And I'm like, what? like, what? why don't... You could have been like, yeah, I dropped literally the most profitable book franchise in history uh, short, maybe, of Agatha Christie, and then I moved on. Yeah, I have multiple notches in my belt. Drop that fucking mic. I don't... uh, Like, Ursula K. Le Guin has, like, a bajillion different, like, crown jewels on her belt. And you're like, JK, you could have been, like, the pop version of that. Like, that was very well within your grasp. Mm -hmm. And you just decided, no. (laughs) Like... (laughs)
1: It's so hard, though. It, I mean, like, give her a fair due. Like, I think that uh, J.K. is, oh, yeah. like, like the only billionaire now who, like, moved herself off the, like, billionaire-billionaire list because she actually gave her money to charity, like a uh, funny debt. But, like, at the same time, like, how does she not get bored? Like, I can't wait to do yeah. something different after Gideon. Like, I love Gideon, love these bones. But I'm just like, oh, man, can't wait to do anything that's not bones. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I think that, like, a a more sustainable model winds up being something that, like, uh, Le Guin did for Earthsea, where there are these big gaps between any given work. So it really was, like, like, yeah, yeah, I've I've thought of another story, and I can tell, uh, and sometimes you'd be like, it's just five pages, but, you know, a little something. Um, But it's totally different. The mill, like, (laughs) going to the coal mine of Potter. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, and I mean at this point you're like, I don't know, I'm just sick of it. I don't need to know how wizards shit. You know? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I do think it's very funny that they didn't
0: have yet. toilets. Ugh. Yeah. That was in the book though. That was in, that people people act like that was just on Pottermore, but that was in the books that the wizards would shit themselves and then use magic to make the shit go away. <laughs> Which is Ugh. super funny. They I mean I guess toilet. I would have
1: appreciated it more if we did like Del like we'd lead in on that. we leaned in on the shit wizards right? We just made the shit go away. Like we can go places with that.
0: Give me an extended flashback in a world where wizards just are just mid-conversation shitting on the ground. Oh,
2: <laughs> says, oh, Dumbledore, young Dumbledore's like, oh shit. Uh can I can someone get a cacomancer? I need a cacomancer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so so are you going to stay in, like, the sci-fi fantasy horror, like, genre?
1: Absolutely. I mean, like, a genre. Uh, my problem is that okay. I write about six different genres per book. Um, you know, I can't stay in any one of them. But, you know, horror is where I live. Um, I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. You're probably not going to find me writing any kind of hard sci-fi because, you know, I <sighs> hate to admit it, but I got 14% on my school cert for maths exam.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You need to... Yeah. Um, Good grasp of uh Education, yeah. I do. Uh,
1: yeah, I did kind of crash out of uni because I was too busy playing Vanilla World of Warcraft.
2: <laughs> That's come back. Um, no,
1: I, do, I can't help me, I know.
2: <laughs> but, uh, see, yeah, so you've got uh, number two coming out next year. There's really? number... There's number three, is, is number three done or is that uh, still getting polished or is that? Uh,
1: number three is still in progress. Um, it has just been embarked upon um, and that's going to be coming, I think, you know, uh, touch wood, uh, cross fingers, do not quote me on this because again, my editor kicked my ass. Um, that should be coming out early 2021. Cool. Yeah. Hey,
2: I Idea, I, I want to pitch you like about like a really big sword.
1: Oh shit, how big?
2: like kind of like king like a king size bed but longer okay. like two two king Wait. size beds
1: Didn't they really uh, do that in like Fate no. Zero like how how big does Saber's sword get
0: Oh,
2: uh, okay Bigger uh, No yeah. Gareth Okay we need we need like Bigger. three king size beds
0: No okay. Bigger Okay think All right so you know horse killing swords yeah Yeah okay First it's a house killing sword
2: Okay If you want to kill but, a house okay
0: But that's a fake out because you immediately follow it with a sword that cuts a planet in half. But it, it's only used to cut a spaceship in half, but it's a spaceship bigger than a planet. Like how awesome. do you
1: wield it? Is are we talking about like a human who wields it? Or no, no. like a dude who's small, but the sword is massive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's tiny. <laughs> yeah. He's well, he's man sized. He's not tiny. He's just <laughs> he's a regular man. He he, yeah. he doesn't need to be five feet tall. He doesn't need to be a manlet for this to work.
1: Oh no, but like
2: not
1: see so he's like an ant holding up this huge sword. So yeah. like, you know, right.
2: I mean compared to the sword he's now an but he is like maybe six free. Yeah, he's yeah, a he's normal
1: a... big sized man. Like or he's, she. A good, or he's or she, she she's girl. a good sized yeah. fella, you know, it could be a, a team. Yeah. yeah. But holding and, uh, a sword that can kill planets.
0: Yeah, and they use it to kill a huge spaceship. That'd be really tight, personally,
2: I think. <laughs> Okay, so you don't have to credit us for that. Like Thanks. you don't have to give us credit. I won't. Um, okay. you know, I
1: might re- you know might. remind people of your existence when I'm earning my billions um on my spin out <laughs> yeah. expanded universe of big sword.
2: Yeah, what's once, once you built like Gideon Moore um, uh, yeah. the a kids whole set,
0: a whole set of books set on the sword.
1: Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn, the sword has its own like ecosystem.
0: Yeah, after yeah. after it destroys that spaceship, it's just that... It, moves on to bigger and better things like giving we'll birth to free. life okay.
2: <laughs> what if, okay what if like the, the ring world from halo except I, you could like throw it like Zena does
1: oh my god a huge chakram
2: that'd be I so tight yeah, yeah.
1: Ow. but i mean okay. is that a spin-off series or, like the sister series because you know just like xena had hercules as a spin-off do we have huge sword and then like huge chakram and then maybe so often they like meet up for a tv movie
0: uh, so originally originally pitch it like no, but then like Isaac Asimov with the uh with the iRobot and uh uh foundation series, mix them even though no one wants you to.
1: Okay, perfect. Like everybody hates it. Everybody hates mm. it as I'm doing it and they hate it afterwards. It's like the Shirooni like, T-Man movie, except that was
2: exactly. Great. Yeah, but you've made your billions at this point. You you don't yeah. need to care. it. Oh You're I don't like, care. Okay.
1: Like yeah. I'm actually actively shitting on my own property because I hate it. I'm just looking at everybody dead in the eye, having huge chakra, and meet huge sword.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And just like, okay. they hit, and they like spawn a universe with the energy or something. Yeah. So, okay, final, final, last question here. Okay. Okay. When it when it gets made into a movie, and I'm saying when, not if.
1: Right. Right. Who,
2: okay. Who who are you? Who are you casting? Who, who are you guys?
1: <sighs> All right. I can't say specific who, but the problem is. Everybody in my mind is a Kiwi. You know, this is basically oh, Gideon the Ninth.
2: That, that was going to be another thing I was going to ask. Like, what, what, what accent do these people use? Everybody was... sounds
1: like me. This is my problem with okay. Final Fantasy. Cloud sounds like me. You know, school sounds like me. Um, everybody sounds exactly like me. Not just they've got a New Zealand accent. They've all got my voice. So, in fact, I've got to play every single character.
2: Damn. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I went for English, actually. So uh, right. Except for Gideon, who I went for American for, for some reason. Really? Yeah. Oh, knows, oh man. Knows, and at one point later in the book, she says "bloody," and I was right. like, "Oh, damn, that's ruined my book so far." Well, so she was, could be just like an American,
1: American accent, who's like got a thing about like England.
2: Yeah, those people are terrible.
1: Uh, but you know, we might be going with that. That's fine. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, you, you, it, it, I
1: hope. Yeah, yep. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's it. Everybody's me. Sorry.
2: <laughs> okay, so we'll just like do some CGI, and you can play all characters in this. Thanks. In this
1: i've I've really future-proofed myself career rise
2: yeah well even like the decrepit old man uh, it's me you can be him that's me
1: i'm also the sword
2: that's cool Uh, okay i
1: want to get in there
2: so yeah uh folks at home um i've been hearing shit tons about this on the internet lots of people have been loving this oh yeah so yeah go go out and read it why don't you why not I
0: barked at my roommate until he bought it in front of me. That's he's like, "Fine, fine, stuff. fine," and he's like, he just went onto Amazon and bought an ebook of it. And he's like, "Fine, I bought it. Leave me alone."
1: That's the nicest thing anybody ever could have told me.
2: Okay, that, when they um, like
0: your book, good. When they buy mm-hmm. your
2: book, perfect. No. <laughs> when they force uh, people to buy your book, you don't even it's have to sorry. like it; just Take buy peer it. Pressure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Buy one for your dog. Buy one for an enemy.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Gideon the Ninth. is out on tour books. It's so good, people, uh, and it's gonna be. There's gonna be even more of it. So that's like, so good, folks. Um, but yeah, to finish off the show, we're gonna play something a little different for you, because uh, you know I'm a I'm a mercurial character. I'm a, a trickster figure of online, if you will. And in addition to like in a uh, naughty
0: little imp boy. No. Yeah. Um, you I, little little naughty little imp boy. Don't sexualize us.
2: Imp um, boy. I can cut that's your mic at second. any point. <laughs> that's that, true. That's you could
0: cut my yeah. mic.
2: Yeah. I got administrative privileges here. But, okay. I, I, <laughs> I have many tastes, more than just simply the sickest and most guttural death metal possible. I also like jangly girl pop with lots of reverb, reverb in Uh <laughs> I don't know how those two tastes go together. I don't know how I can listen to, like, Revenge, then Peach Kelly Pop singing the Sailor Moon theme tune, but I can. Um, so I'd like to play one of one of my favorite bands. Langdon does a guest say here. He doesn't deserve it for sexualizing and call me an imp boy.
0: <laughs> it's um, not sexual to call you a little imp boy. I have a lot of questions about why you think it's a sex thing to call you a naughty little imp boy. <laughs>
2: Literally, no one in the world doesn't think I'd be uh, sexualized right now. Um, <laughs> the Vivian Girls, which is named after a book that's almost as sick as Langdon's Mind. Um, we we do love
0: Darger in this yeah, uh, world, we stand, really. I mean,
2: stand a um, reclusive king there. Uh, we do stand Darger on this show. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and we stand the band Vivian Girls because they are really yeah. good. Been, they actually they, are a
0: very good band yeah yeah
2: and a lot of people just like their first album but they're actually all good and they've come back with a new one uh they've put out an ep so far but they're going to be doing like a full like album tour all that all that business they've done a bunch of like um they've all been in different bands of uh while they were away um last Sarah, I, I think Katie Goodman from uh, her project was was actually really good I don't think people a lot of people heard it I seem to be anyone personally knows it exists. But um, yeah, so they've put out a new album, uh, EP, and there's a track on this called Sludge, which it has some distortion in, so we figure it could fit here. Um, we're going to be back next week with some stuff. We're going to be back the week after with, I'm hoping, uh, the writers of my other favorite sci-fi fantasy, every genre at once book of this year. Um, this is How You Win the Time War. Oh, yeah. I love that book. Amazing. Like, love it so much.
1: This is how you lose yeah. the time war, right? Um,
2: yeah. It's so it's... good. It, it's. I'm so glad that like your book and that book came out like the same, well, I read them in the same month. It was humbling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about them. We got an interview with uh, Crowhurst, your boy Jay Gambit out of Crowhurst. That's coming up. We got some, we're all kinds of stuff. You, you don't even know. I don't even know. So uh, yeah, come back next week. Read Gideon the Ninth. Read Harrowhawk the Ninth. Read whatever the third one ends up being called. Please. And uh, yeah, come back next week. And here's Vivian Girls.